previously on The Show Show. What have you been watching? What have you guys been doing since uh, we convened on the Righteous Gemstones? Going around, getting a bunch of aliens in a ship, and going around doing missions. Well, yeah, I went Necro. I want to hear more about that. Jay, what about you? I don't know about you, but my reaction in that moment was, they can't possibly do this. And then they did it! Yeah, that's what humans would do. We're pieces of shit. I think it's a fair criticism. And they showed us the dentist bug, but where's, like, the bug that cuts your hair to look exactly the same for seven months on a spaceship? Why why do Romulans speak English, Jay? Could you explain that one to me? Yeah, they're too lemony and not that much limey. Hey, these people are fascists and I don't want to do their bidding anymore. Do you remember the Sierra Mist commercials? Like the ones back in the uh, mid early 2000s, maybe? I'm like, hey, this is a big dude and he's jacked. <laughs> you can see his deep V the whole time. I'm your daddy. Man, I miss Quiznos. Oh, I miss Quiznos too. Prime rib and peppercorn on rosemary? Ooh. Classic Italian. I have definitely learned way more about black holes in the last week because, you know, I'm interested in them for some reason. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Show Show, probably the world's best TV review podcast. Welcome to episode 59. Today, we review selected episodes of the 2018 series from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. It's just monkeys singing songs, mate. This month on the show show, Bluey. I'd like to welcome you inside the broadcast booth. I'm Jay. I'm joined, as always, by my two Hall of Famers. To my right, the Telemachus to my Snowdrop, the Burt Handsome to my Romeo McFlourish. It's Aaron. Hey, and to my left, past the fake grass, if you got a flamingo, you've gone too far. It's Tony. Hello, hello. G'day, gentlemen, and happy Stumpfest. Happy Stumpfest. Uh, check out our Instagram for news about the show, including our postponed 2023 tour and cruise, along with plenty of other bonus content. You can find us at the Show Show Pod. Send your emails to the Show Show TV Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube on our YouTube channel, Mandamus Radio. You can find me individually at J. Suespante. Aaron, where can we find you? Um, I mean, as long as it exists, the Muscoverse at Tenacious Aaron. How about you, Tony? Find me on Instagram at tpinquite. All right, before we head down under and talk about that lovely healer family from Brisbane, uh, let's take a little trip over to the unofficial scoreboard since the last time we convened to talk about Farscape. Uh, anything for the unofficial scoreboard, Tony? I can't say that I have anything. been watching... A lot of mid-tier anime. <laughs> Nothing good enough to speak about. I mean, I know there's some great anime this season, but I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to binge it once the season's over. But I haven't been to movies or anything lately. I've been kind of a bum since our last podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. How about you, Aaron? I've been doing a couple of different things. No, number one, been continuing to watch Animal Control. I think I dabbled a little bit in it last time. 
Okay. Um, with Joel McHale, I I'm enjoying it. It's not just the the Joel McHale hour. It's interesting though. Kind of segue. The boss in that show is also in Mr. Mayor, which I've just recently picked up. Started watching. Yes. Um, thoroughly enjoy Mr. Mayor. It, it's yeah. It's like Parks and Rec, except for it takes it like that step further, being ridiculous and actually being ridiculous. Right. I feel like Parks and Rec always threatened being ridiculous. But at the end, everybody kind of pulled back. But this one feels like everything is, here's the line, we're now going to cross it, and that's the joke. Yeah. And so I've had a lot of fun watching that. I watched The Glass Onion, which um, is that Netflix um, Knives Out series movie. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed everyone's performance. It was a a fun movie. It's worth watching. Um, And uh, recently... Me and uh, a buddy have gone back to playing Final Fantasy XIV, which is the weeb game, and uh, I'm having fun. I'm having fun enjoying it. It is uh, is That's the MMO is, one, right? It's the MMO one. Um, we we finished the first game, which is uh, universally known as a slog, <laughs> <laughs> and like I had to pay eleven dollars to skip the last ten hours. I was just so done with the game. It was. Just run here, talk to these people, run here, talk to these people, run here, talk to these people, wait one fight, run here, walk, talk to these people. And I was just like, I'm done with this. So we've now moved on to the second game and are, are kind of leveling up some new classes and um, having fun doing that. But it's it's kind of weird because it feels like there's a bunch of games and stuff in development and people talking about things, but I don't, I don't feel like there's any exciting games out right now. Like It feels kind of boring right now. I've been looking for a new one. I was hoping Redfall would be good, and then it, apparently it's a dumpster fire. So I just want a game to play, like some co-op multiplayer. Have you seen that Chrono Odyssey trailer yet? I have not. You should watch the Chrono Odyssey trailer. It is, it's an MMO, but it looks like it's an action MMO, like where you're like running around swinging swords and things like that, actually hitting stuff and hitboxes. Oh, is that that? To. Genshin Impact like sequel or something? I don't is it a know. Mobile game? No, it's not a mobile game. It's pretty pretty impressive trailer. If everything in that is actual gameplay, then I'm color me impressed. Jay, I'm up to diamond in uh, Rocket League now. If you want to come back, oh nice! I've never been able to to stay at diamond. I would flirt with it every once in a while. I can't get I can't get up to champ. Just like I. Fl- I get up to Diamond 3 sometimes, and then it's just like Smurf City. All the yeah. champs and higher go down there to relax and beat up on sucky players like me. Gosh, I haven't played Rocket League in so long. I ought to jump on there and play with you sometime. I can hit the ball. What have you been up to? Well, um, what have I been up to? Yeah, what's on your unofficial scoreboard? I've been watching a whole lot of a show called Gravity Falls. Uh, okay, so on Hulu? This, yeah, it's a bit of a... a unofficial scoreboard kids show edition because uh, it's mostly a show that my my kid watches uh but gravity falls it's from like 2013-ish it, it aired on disney xd and it's it's aimed at kids who are i think like middle schoolish aged mm. and it's really to to really reduce it into just a couple of words it's twin peaks for kids because <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a quirky town in the Pacific Northwest where weird unexplained things happen and there's mysteries and it's a whole lot of fun. It's very funny. 
so if anybody is looking for an animated series that's a whole lot of fun and not a huge commitment, Gravity Falls, it's only about, I think, like 40-ish episodes. Okay, no, that's a great recommendation. I, I've seen it come up a couple of times, and I didn't know. It looks like one of those shows made by the, the Rick and Morty creators. They've, he's got like six or seven shows out there now. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if that was one of them or not. I know it was it Solar Opposites is one of his. Right. Yeah, it's it's not a Justin Roiland show. He does have a recurring character on Gr- Gravity Falls, uh, but it's it's done by a different creator. Okay. Uh, but yeah, check that one out. Uh, a non-kid show I've been watching on Amazon is Jury Duty. And this is a show that's made a lot of waves. I've heard crazy things about that, yeah. Yeah, everyone's yeah. talking about it right now. Because it, it's a very unique blend of scripted and reality where, the if you haven't heard, the premise is that they did a whole trial. It's a civil trial. But mm-hmm. they did a whole trial, and all of it was coordinated. All of it was actors except for one guy who thought it was a real thing and was on the jury. And so you follow him, and ridiculous things happen. James Marsden plays himself having to be on jury duty. I've watched about half of it, and it's been a, a whole ton of fun. Uh, only downside being that there's no way to watch it without ads. ads. Yeah. yeah. Aww. It's a part of this new free V return us back to the ads era of television. Yes. Like that Amazon's doing. It's so funny how we've come full circle, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm. it's nuts. Like, I, I don't know how you guys typically consume your your television mechanically but by that i mean i usually watch it on my tv in my living room through a a roku device and so when you pull up the roku there's your channels the different apps on one side and then often there's a little ad for whatever Mm -hmm. on the roku channel and a couple weeks ago i was making a remark to my lady wife where i was saying man that roku channel it's almost like the new nick at night where everything that it advertises is all this stuff that you're like, who the hell wants to watch that? That was so last season. That was so last season. And God damn it, if not the next time I turned on my TV, it was advertising Peep Show, my favorite show of all time. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> screw so, you, Roku channel. <laughs> no, but but this is this is a phenomenon that that is just a time phenomenon, right? Like, remember back in 2003 listening to the classic rock station on the radio and then just a few years later they're playing like you know nirvana and you know stuff like that on the classic rock station like we're coming to a time where disturbed and slipknot are going to be played on the classic rock station right like it it doesn't ever stop like Mm -hmm. that that progression that march of time so, like, at some point, you're right, Peep Show's going to be like, I love Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, people be like, oh, granddad, that show's old. <laughs> That's not even in, you know, hologram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it makes me sad. Uh, but yeah, check out jury duty uh, for you guys. The two of you who are a little adverse to cringe, there is a lot of cringe to it. And part of the reason why is that the, the creator of jury duty is an ex writer from the office. And when you look up his writing credits, so it's one. all of like the, it's, it's a lot of the, the later stuff, but it's like the dinner party episode, Scott's uh. tots, 
uh, like Scott the Scott. yeah, like the hardest, great, the hardest episodes. Like really funny stuff, but like it, it, it makes you cringe. So keep that in mind before diving into jury duty. Understand? I mean, I can't escape it. It's a part of modern comedy. So speaking of music, I just had this realization just the other day with my uh, friend's daughter. I guess it'll be for your your kids too, Jay. Like they'll never like. They'll always have, I mean, as long as their cell phones signal, which there probably will be everywhere, once they get cell phones, like, they'll have access to whatever songs they want to listen to at any time that they want mm-hmm. from, like, one device. There won't ever be, like, tapes or CDs or even, like, an offline MP3 player where you're, like, having to, like, choose. You just get to have it at all times. It'll be the same with, like, TV and stuff. You can, you'll always be able to stream whatever show you want to watch, like, whenever. Mm-hmm. Philosophically, this raises the universal culture problem, right? Like everybody who's creating something new, all the new musicians have to compete with the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, you know, Britney Spears, you know, Tupac, Jay Z. Like it's 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 all at their fingertips, right? So there's it's it's not like when we were growing up and new music kind of got its own channels, right? It's true, like the meme about you never discovering new music once you get to a certain age. But it's like I never turn on the radio at all in my car. Like, why would I listen to something random when I can choose? Yep. Spotify does a good job if you listen to playlists of blending you on into music that is like what you were listening to. And I have found more new music or been exposed to more new music that way. But it kind of is real limited to that kind of sound, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like listening to Pearl Jam and, you know, everything that comes up is something that sounds like Pearl Jam. <laughs> so, Well, speaking of things that are worldwide and you cannot escape, you guys want to talk Bluey? Absolutely. So we have gathered here today to discuss that little blue dog, Bluey. Uh, it's a, a children's TV show from Australia by the Ludo Studios, centering around a family of anthropomorphic dogs uh, who live in Brisbane, Australia. To kind of go around the, the horn of our characters, because this is definitely, I would say, a character rather than plot-driven show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Bluey, our centerpiece, a precocious six-year-old who loves to play pretend. We have her sister, Bingo, four years old. Uh, Bingo is a little more introverted and empathetic than Bluey is. We have Bandit, the dad. He is an archaeologist uh, with the world's most flexible hybrid work schedule. (laughs) Uh, We have Chili, the mum. Chili works part-time doing airport security. Also in the family, we have Uncle Stripe, Bandit's younger brother, his wife Trixie. They are parents to the quintessentially bratty toddler Muffin. They also have a baby Socks. Uh, Bandit also has an older brother, Rad, who works on an oil rig. Uh, Next door, we have a family of Labradors, Pat, also known as Lucky's dad. He's the one who's stuck in the 80s, uh, but would be an amazing improv partner because he's always rolling with the crazy games they're playing. La, 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 la. Boom! Detective Michael's card! I'm with the FBI. And then on the other side, we have a pair of Chow Chows, Judo and Wendy. So I kind of wanted to start there with the characters of this show. Any any that I named, any that I didn't name that, that stuck out to you guys? Uh, not, not particularly. There were a lot of things, I, I, since I do not have kids, 
and uh, watching this uh, was a very unique experience for me. And as you said, it is it is character driven, but a lot of the, the character driven story is kind of from the primary family's perspective. There's a lot of interaction. There's a few you know, offshoot stories where it's just another family or another you know kid or something like that that their story is explored. But I, I guess for me, the the first two seasons felt very much driven by kind of Bluey and Bingo. I felt like the third season felt a lot more driven by the whole family. I don't know if that, if if you get that vibe at all, but I, I definitely felt like there was a change up in the third season and, and kind of a lot more interaction with mom and dad on a different level. But mm-hmm. with the characters that did stick out, Muffin stuck out because of how mm-hmm. ridiculous she was. Um, Lucky's dad stuck out specifically because of Lucky's dad's rules. Um, (laughs) and I'm trying to think the, the one, I can't remember the name, but the kid who had like ADHD and Mm -hmm. couldn't do anything, but Jack Russell, Jack Russell Terry. Yeah. And then he, he was doing the military stuff like the, the capturing of a lot of the way kids play. I thought the show did a good job of giving realistic feeling to a lot of real ways kids play. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what I will say the show did an amazing job at is capturing families and stuff like that. It also got a really annoying how much laughing and giggling and stuff like happened <laughs> at certain levels <laughs> just because it was just like, Oh God damn it. Come on. Can we move on? <laughs> yeah. I feel you as a, as a parent of a toddler, that kind of stuff just, it just washes over you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad you say that because that's, you know, that's not stuff that occurs to me. <laughs> well, I, again, that's what I'm saying is I, like, I kind of looked at it a little more sociological. I was like, okay, this is a good show. Like for families, this is good for kids. It's talking about empathy, but also there were things that I didn't like that it portrayed. Like I were moments where I was like, I don't like situations where things needed to get done. And it felt like the parents were at the, um, bay of the children's imagination. Yeah. Like there never felt like a time to stop playing. There never was mm-hmm. a line. Like the show does a water not... hose to the face for like an hour. Yeah. There, there, there was never a, there was never discussion of discipline, which I found, I found really odd. Like, like there was, there was some correction, but like, I don't know. There was never of like, Hey, you've gone too far. You need to be disciplined. And again, I know that this is a modern show that doesn't really talk about that anymore. But there were th- situations that presented this show that I would have got whoopings growing up <laughs> for. It's definitely idealistic where the kids always realize the right thing to do and they do it exactly. on their own without yeah. being told Selfish. to Selfish. Yeah. Or like completely unaware that there is a right and wrong. Or that they have already realized why empathy is a thing that humans feel. Yeah, yeah. Th- this show gets a lot of criticism for the parents in that they are impossible to live up to, that they're constantly engaged with the children, constantly validating their feelings and mm-hmm. and rolling with it in a way that in, in real life, a lot of people feel is just not able to, you're not able to live up to that. But you're completely right that the the real 
unrealistic thing about this show is that the children immediately respond to the lesson. Mm-hmm. They absorb it and respond to it immediately. When that's that's really the that's really the hard part. Playing with your kid all day, that's not the hard part. Them learning the lesson, you know. Bluey running in and out of the house while it's rainy, pulling mud into the house. I would have had my ass beat. It would not have been mom comes out to join me in ruining clothing, toys, uh, things like that for playtime. Like that's that's the situations where I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is sweet. This is cute. It's incredibly annoying. To think that you're a kid's gonna think, well, my mom and dad don't act like this. Like it's, it's. I love it because there are people like, oh, if you if you give your kid a spanking, you're gonna have, they're gonna have therapy. Apparently, if you kids, you don't go out and play in the dirt with your kid while it's raining, they're gonna need therapy because they're gonna see it in bluey and be like, well, my parents mistreated me because they just didn't let me shit all over the house. (laughs) So I know I'm probably. being a little bit more based here <laughs> but no, the, the first time i saw that episode that's exactly the same reaction that i had the way that bluey like squeezes her way past the mom who's like almost like restraining her yeah where it's like it it has made it has been made abundantly clear how important it is that you don't trash this house and you still you know you still try to push past, yeah. I would have had what my what my parents would call a belt party yeah. for doing something like that. <laughs> no, I mean that, switches. That's what I had growing up, and it was the best. It was the best punishment because there's no right choice. You get a small switch, it's awful. You get a big switch, it's awful. No leaves, awful. Bunch of leaves, awful. You go through all the iterations. Like my mom made me pick the switch. Like you think you can work your way, logic your way through this? No. Like it's by the end of it, you're like, oh, it's all awful. There's no good answer. You just grab one, get it over with. But it's it's a brilliant technique of of learning too, because you're like, okay, I've got some agency here. <laughs> Did you ever make the mistake of telling them, oh, that one didn't hurt? I don't remember Not it if I did. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I just, again, most of the time it was just like my mom would grab me by the hands, lift me up, and like be switching the back of my calves. <laughs> like it was just like a switch, 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 switch. And then, all right, moving on. <laughs> well, that kind of discipline not seen in Bluey. <laughs> not seen in Bluey. Again, I, it's, not, it's not in vogue in the modern time, right? It might be a little bit of survivorship bias. Like, I feel like we're all pretty, not like intelligent people. Like, eventually, like we probably all figured out it's not worth spanking. Or like yeah. you said, you just get it and you get it over with, and then it's like it's done. Like you don't drag it out and like avoid it and cry about it. But I'm sure there's like plenty of kids and people that that was not their experience with that kind of stuff. So I can see it both ways. My sister, you could just look at her wrong, and she just broke down crying, right? Like me, I needed the switch. <laughs> I needed something to in, to disrupt my thinking. <laughs> so I think it's it comes down to the family and to the kid. But I, I again, like you were saying, I think that the the image that the parents portray in the same way. I don't know if you remember this criticism whenever we were growing up, but like. There were some people that weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons because the people didn't like the way the parents were portrayed. 
Oh right. yeah, right here. I was one of those. Okay, so yeah, the, the common understanding. So I almost could hear someone saying, "I don't let my kids watch Bluey because I don't like the parents' portrayal as like always having to indulge the kids' you know imagination and never being never being able to correct them, and then the kids having this unrealistic you know acceptance of you know lessons and and moral you know revelations and things like that." Because again, kids aren't like that. Mm-hmm. Especially like four and six. That feels like an age group that would be really, really, really unreasonable. <laughs> Yo. Oh, definitely. Are we definitely in dog years in this show? Because I'm like six. This is a full grown dog. <laughs> like, like, is it really like uh, 10 months? Is a 10 months old dog if it's six years old? Let's like, go I'm, with that. The, the age is part of it's kind of hard. Like, a, it's, I don't, my brain couldn't comprehend the age part. And then, like, I when they... Spe- it, I think it's just human years. When they re- refer to a specific dog breed, like in that army one, it's like, go play with that red kelpie over there. Is that the equivalent of saying, go play with that black guy over there? Is that, like, the <laughs> dog equivalent? It's like a different, like, race of dog. It's like, I hey, mean... go play with... Uh, and then that kid's name was Jack Russell. Like, first name Jack, second name Russell, and he was a Jack Russell. It's like, go play with token white guy. I don't know, like... it. Well, I mean... You're not wrong. I think breed is a little different than race because race is a little Made bit more fab- a little more fabricated by white people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, let, let's also say though, I think you're kind of right though. That is a little bit of lazy naming to name the Jack Russell yeah. Terrier Jack Russell. That is kind of like naming baby baby. You know. Yeah. I just thought it was weird. It's like when you're calling out a specific like type of dog. It's like. I was like, what would be the equivalent of a human calling out a specific type of human? I'm like, no, you're. I think you've yeah. nailed it. <laughs> but there, there was Rusty the Red Kelpie, uh, so yeah, that's not much better. I'm gonna be be honest there. Maybe um, think about it more like uh, like Tony. You've been to Iceland, right? Yeah, and you know how in Iceland people don't really have last names because there's only like six families. <laughs> And they've kind of left that all behind them long ago. Like that's kind of how I see the world of of Bluey. Maybe it's not so much race as like like families or clan. I no, I don't want to use that word. Breeds. And I started a because that's what the healer. That's all that it is with them, right? Bingo, Bluey, Bandit, yeah. Healer. Yeah. That's the breed. They're, they're, yeah, blue and orange healers. So I guess that you could see. His last name is Russell. I think his name should be Terrier, right? His yeah, the Terriers. Well, but well there's not... also the Terriers. Yeah, there's also the Terriers, which... And what other animal... And what other... It was also... Conf... I don't know, I'm getting like way too logical about this show. No, you're right. But it's like, what other animals in the world can talk besides dogs? Like, were those monkeys dogs dressed in monkey outfits in the movie? <laughs> or were they monkeys that could talk in the movie? Because, because like other animals don't seem to have the capacity for vocalization. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Only dogs are anthropomorphized. Yeah. So like, were dogs dressed up in monkey outfits in that movie? Was it an animated movie? I can't tell the difference yeah, so between an animated movie and real life because real life is animated. Like assuming it's a live action for the Bluey Universe movie. That's a great point. Yeah. It's like Planet of the Apes, but it's like dogs. Because <laughs> cats are unsophisticated. They attack little birds that die at the vet. Little budgies. Little monsters. 
There's definitely under the R. Bluey. Are there other species in the Bluey universe? I just watched some episodes, and are there other animals? There's a monkey that didn't appear to be in costume. If so, are there other animals? We know that uh, not cats are a lot of animals. And the first response is, you're looking way too hard into this. It's a kid's show about talking dogs. That's all there is to it. And they're always talking about their hands, not their paws. Like sure. it's out of our hands. Yeah. Like it should you be out of our paws? Like wiggle your and fingers. You don't have fingers. All your things are feet and toes. Yeah. Like whenever they're playing, they're wearing headphones. Look at the placement of the headphones. It's they're true. like on their temples, not up where their he- their ears are. Yeah. So you don't have fingers. All you have are toes. All your feet are feets. There's no hands. <laughs> I mean, they're driving cars and buses. Yeah. And like, stuff. why is all the technology human technology? That dogs are using. Well, I mean, and they're, they're also all naked, but they have underwear, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like there, there's other aspects of the, the universe that don't make a whole lot of sense. Like, why does anyone have laundry? Yeah, when they went yeah. to the pool and they needed sunscreen, I'm like, what? For, like, their little bellies? <laughs> well, like, also, Australia. I just, I want to say this. It was probably about three or four episodes in before I realized Bluey was a girl. Oh, yeah. It took, I thought... I thought Blue was a boy for a while. Yeah, same here. I it, it was like, I was like, oh okay, that that was just kind of dropped on us. Maybe we missed it in one of those episodes we skipped. But like, I was just there was a moment where I was like, oh, you're a girl. I'm a girl. Oh yeah, yeah, I knew that. Okay, I think that that's just part of the the modernness of this show is just that you know it's a it's a child and child ch- child listen to me and children are kind of fundamentally. The same, depending on how you raise them. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it, Bluey's a girl, but, like, it doesn't matter. Like, Bluey plays with what Bluey wants to play with. I'm curious if people who had all sons and people who have all daughters would agree with that statement, that raising children is fundamentally the same. Because I, I, All I know I, is I we d- got to protect Bingo at all costs. <laughs> Bingo is adorable. I, I'm just saying, I know that there's a lot of people who are, like, raising boys comes with different challenges at raising girls or whatever. I, I, I don't know. My mom said that I had different challenges that were presented than my sister. So uh, I, I don't know. Like to me, I, I thought that was curious because I w- then wondered about if this was done with a, a boy and a girl, how would it be different? You know, like you said, maybe it wouldn't be different. Maybe they kind of made Bluey somewhat, I won't say androgynous, but you know, able to play or do anything so that they could explore everything. But, but I don't know, like you even have the episodes where they just kind of like cut bluey out, like with Jack Russell and you kind of do the more boy stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So they kind of had to go away from bluey altogether to do so, explore some of the more boys will be boys type ideas and conversations. Now, again, the show, the show is, is, is quasi-progressive and conservative at times. Like, I think that we've talked about this off the air, but, like, there's definitely some weird culture war stuff that that fans out from the fact that a bunch of families watch this. Right. And I think it's it's a little bit of a Rorschach test for a lot of people where conservatives will look at this and see a nuclear family. We'll see you know, no divorce, two cisgendered adults who got married and started a family. That's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the, uh, that's the Ronald Reagan dream. While progressives will look at this show and see what kind of what we are talking about, how the children are a little androgynous. They're allowed to do, you know, whatever they, 
they want to do and they're not pigeonholed into any kind of gendered boxes mm-hmm. and the whole really the the vibe of the whole show is really just preaching emotional intelligence and empathy which is kind of uh antithetical to the whole ronald reagan dream mm-hmm. so you see what you want to see i guess people really see what they want to see when they're starting to make like miniature bandits with you know, M16s, you know, printed onto it. Because we'll put a boot in your ass. It's got to be done. Oh, my God. Wild, wild. And then painting them. Who has the time to, to 3D print a miniature bandit with the M16 and then paint it? Like, that just is wild. But needless to say, that's the... You're right. It is a Rorschach test. You see what you want to see. But the question I have is, how do you not see the other stuff? Like, cause for me, I heard like bandit, you know, um, oh, well you only beat me cause you cheated, you know, the kind of like traditional conservative, like, I don't even say conservative, but just more like more, you know, oh, not everybody needs to win. You know, it's, it's okay to lose that kind of stuff that feels mm-hmm. a little more conservative, but not like it's, it sucks right now because the climate of our culture is that it feels if you say something is either progressive or conservative, then it's extreme, right? Those have become extreme like positions now. And, and really this is not an extreme position to say, Hey, it's okay for kids to lose and to recognize that feeling bad and feeling good between wins and losses is a part of life. I, I actually like when we, I watched the episode, the, the lucky's dad's rules, Like, I kind of agreed with Lucky's dad's rules. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that there is a reason. It it means more when you don't always get something whenever there's kind of a prize that is the prize, right? Like, there's that earning it. I guess, like, with with me, I I play World of Warcraft, and we raid, and whenever we're grinding towards a boss, and it takes us a couple of weeks, when we finally get that boss after losing over and over and over again and you finally kill them, it's just, like, so much sweeter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's that, that that savor that you get to have, you know, of of the experience. Whereas with every every layer has something, it's, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't get the big prize, but I got this, so, you know, it's not that big a deal. Well, maybe, maybe that's kind of the point, is to get to experience that big deal, you know? I think you see something similar to that in the, the episode early on, Shadowlands, where it it's teaching the value of rules themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, where Coco keeps trying to change the rules to make it easier for her, and you know, obviously that just it ruins the game. It feels a little strange to say, but there are rules for a reason. Is kind of a kind of a right wing sentiment. Well, I think another way to look at that um, is um, restriction breeds creativity. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're not allowed to just make it easy for yourself, you have to become more creative to solve your problems. Right. And that's kind of what Bluey's whole in indirect argument is, is that the fun of Shadowlands is trying to get to the end without touching the sunlight. If when you when you think you're stuck, you can just change the rules. You you don't have to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. I thought the ultimate episode, the moral of that episode was going to be something about compromise. <laughs> but it ended up just like the universe uh, supported their uh, desire for cupcakes. I was like, okay, okay they're gonna get to the end, and they're gonna be like, okay, sometimes you can't, like it's impossible 
within the rules. Like you're gonna hurt yourself more than help yourself by playing this game absolutely to the letter. Like it's okay to like relax a little bit and go get some cupcakes, but no, nope, just uh, have a big cloud show up. <laughs> Deus Ex Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that one though. The animation on this show is so good. It's like usually it's like you see good. a new show come out and it's like. They don't have a ton of money for in the first episodes, but like pretty much from episode one, it was like crazy high quality on the show. The episode with Muffin running with the tablet or phone <laughs> from yeah, her dad is such a great episode. Just the the different visual and artistic kind of like sequencing of that, I was impressed with. Like I was like, wow, this was well done. Hmm. Now, Muffin's another controversial character, so what were your impressions of Muffin? Well, Brett. Tony? Yeah. So I guess the what the controversy over Muffin is, is is she just a just a toddler spoiled brat in that all children are sometimes brats, or was she over-the-top outrageous spoiled brat? Over the top outrageous spoiled brat. If you get her the wrong toil, she's going to go ballistic. I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the kind of terminology around it was just accepting that she was spoiled, not mm-hmm. that it was wrong for her to act that way. And I think the episode where she's running with the tablet, that's one of the discipline episodes where the the problem with this the story or Bluey here is that, in my opinion, the right answer for Muffin's future so that she has a better life is probably some discipline. Because mm-hmm. if you allow her to keep on doing this, eventually there are people called police officers who will stop you from doing <laughs> these types of things. And it it's a lot worse when they get involved. Yeah. So... Yeah, I... I like Muffin a lot because of the portrayal. I guess kind of similarly to the way that I liked Rigel in that, you know, he wasn't a good guy, but he was Chaos a very interesting character. And I think there's a there's an interesting nuance with Muffin where we see that her parents, Stripe and Trixie, are a, a little bit different parenting style than than we see with Muffin. I'm sorry, with uh, Bandit and Chili. Mm-hmm. And so we we see a little bit more of the like, for example, the oh god damn it! I think we didn't watch that episode. There's an episode I think we didn't watch where uh, where Stripe runs a red light with Muffin in the car, and he's just like, oh, you know, special case. Don't worry about it. Muffin, you're the most special girl in the world. And then Muffin goes on a on a terrible toddler tantrum where she's like, I'm special. I don't have to follow any rules. So there's there's some of this show where you see how the parenting then affects the kid. And that's mm-hmm. th- that's a that's a pretty good nuance. Did we watch? Oh, See, we should have watched all of it, of course. But uh, did did we watch the Dunny episode where they're they're all in the bed and they're arguing about whether or not they can use the word Dunny? I don't remember that episode. You know, ah, I might have not include. That's another great one where the lesson of that one is that other families have different rules than yours, and that doesn't mean that their rules are wrong or that our rules are right. They're just different, and. You know, that's a very difficult thing for a six-year-old to wrap their head around. But how many times when you got close to a friend, you had that difficult barrier of going over to their house and having to deal with their rules? For sure. Like, my, I remember one time someone said, shut up at my house. My mom busted. There's like, nobody says that here. And that was such bullshit because everybody said shut up at my house. But, like, 
Like, like that that's the funny thing too, because I remember going over to other people's houses and being like, These are the rules, and it's like, oh, okay. Now I get in trouble. Well, don't don't break those rules. Mm. I'll tell you, here's a funny one about rules that's not true. Uh, and I love this kid to death. He's one of my favorite people in the world. But I, I had a friend and I had a Sega Nomad back in the day, and I don't know if you know what that is, but it's, it was basically a Sega Genesis, but a handheld version. So you could play like Sega Genesis games like on the road. And it had a, a charging cable, you know, so you could charge up the battery. And I, I let a buddy borrow it, and he gave it back to me, but he, get, he didn't give me the charger back. So I went over. It's like the end of the school year. Summer vacation is about to start, and we're about to hit the road. I go over to his house. I, I ring the doorbell. His dad answers. And I say, hey, I let Sean borrow my second Nomad. Can I get my charging cable back? And he goes, we don't let Sean borrow stuff. And he shuts the door. <laughs> <laughs> God, what a give up answer. Like, I'm just not responsible for that. Get out of my house. I laughed so hard now, but I was just so stunned because I was like, what? But I let him borrow it. I do like that, that the episodes are so short. Yeah. I think it does lead. To, I think that maybe that's the double-edged sword that makes it like great because like there's not a lot of filler baloney that you have to like make up to fill out the stuff, but then it also like, the solutions are too tidy. Like the kids realize on their own what the right things to do are. And like the parents never really get mad. Like the pool one where the, where bandit just goes and he doesn't even listen to his wife about bringing the boring stuff. And then like, I was like, okay, this is going to end where it's like, okay, the, we're gonna have to go home because no one wanted to bring the sunscreen and the floaties and all that. And then the mm-hmm. mom just shows up and she's not even that mad. She's just like, well, I guess the, th- the important things are important, aren't they? And she's not even mad at the husband, and the kids don't. There's no, like, downside for the kids. I was like, mm-hmm. I guess that's what has to happen when it's only, like, six minutes long. But I was like, man, this isn't, this isn't, there's no lesson here. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to finish an episode of Bluey with Cobb's top spinning on the table and whether it's going <laughs> to fall over or not. Yeah. I think that this show is something good to maybe watch with your kids as opposed to something to just put on and let your kids watch because of kind of what we're talking about, the portrayal of certain things. I would be concerned that they don't understand why muffins should not act that way. Right. So like for me, I don't know that bluey. And again, I grew up watching Tom and Jerry and I didn't like smash people's feet or face with frying pans. So, you know, <laughs> but like, you hear, do you hear what I'm saying though? Like I, sure. part of me is like, I don't really like a lot of the portrayals of a lot of stuff and other things I love. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm torn about this show very much. So yeah. C- Cause kids definitely will repeat Emulate. anything they see. And a lot of times it's completely out of context. It's just something they see and they just start repeating it, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. And it's the, I guess the adult analog is something like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to watch. It's always sunny and think that these are good people making good decisions and you should emulate them. Of course not. Yeah. And you hope that your viewership is intelligent enough to know that you hope your kid is smart enough to know that Muffin is a terrible toddler and is an example of what you should not do. But, you know, ultimately people make their own decisions, and that's kind of what's wrong with people. We had a 
a roommate one time that we were talking about Game of Thrones. I asked him, I said, what, what's your favorite character? He said, oh, Joffrey. Unironically, he said, Joffrey. I was like, you know, that makes sense. You're a horrible person. <laughs> 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 so, I, I, yeah, that's... that's it, to me, I think that this is a show that watching with your preschooler is probably a great time because you can talk to them about stuff, um, engage with them about these little stories and, you know, what's right, wrong, what your family rules are, you know, mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. So I think, like, like I said, from a sociological perspective, I think this is a great tool. But I also know that the average American family is turning this on a tablet and handing it to the kid and putting on headphones. Mm. Oh, definitely. So now, there is there is a significant fandom of this show around the world of people who don't have children, and sometimes it's teenagers, sometimes it's college age kids, sometimes it's people it's our age who just don't have children and and find something in it. And there's almost like a constant battle in the online forums between people who want to gatekeep it just for people who have kids. And then on on the other side, you've got just out and out furries who are doing what oh furries do gosh. with with stuff. So it's kind of like you have to strike a balance. But I was curious from from two guys who don't have children, you know, is like, what do you see in this show that might lead non-child peoples to identify with it so much? I like it. I mean, it's super wholesome. Mm -hmm. I like it. And it's like not boring and it's not too childish. I mean, like, I guess maybe because I live in the same house as a kid, like the giggling I guess I'm used enough to that kind of like you are, Jay, where I was like, I didn't, it didn't feel like too much. It feels like a normal amount. Whereas like Garen was like, this is a too much, but, uh, it's wholesome. I think if you had, I think probably, I'm not saying it could be therapy, but I think maybe some people that if they didn't have a great parenting life, like, I mean, they probably like, like that the parents are so involved and engaged with their kids and stuff and love them so much. I mean. I'm not in that group, but I could see if you were in that group, you'd be like that. You could find something there in those parents. That just sounds like you're getting those kids set up for therapy. (laughs) That's what a lot of people say. I I see people post on Reddit all the time that this show heals their inner child. They say I could see it. It took me a while to come around to the show. I'm not going to lie. The first few episodes, there was a lot of eye rolling. Um, Like, like I, it, I, I had to acclimate. By the end of the third season, I genuinely enjoyed um, aspects of the interactions and things like that. Uh, I will say this: I, I don't know how to evaluate this kind of situation, but in our in pop culture, we've had another pretty famous situation where someone who was not the intended target became a huge fan. And that is the My Little Bronies, um, the pe- the bros who are into My Little Pony, and and this was such a huge phenomenon at the time that you know there were entire Brony Fest where all the dudes who were into My Little Pony just got together with each other to hang out and and stuff, and it was just like not for the kids, right? So, and a lot of people thought that was weird, and you know, I'm not going to cast judgment on it; it's whatever you like, but gatekeeping that kind of stuff like it feels like it goes into the the whole like culture war argument like there can be people that genuinely enjoy something that maybe is not intended for them and the reason why people don't like it is that either it breaks a gender norm or it breaks a societal norm 
but we, like we've been talking about, we live in a time of infinite content and eternal culture. And so like, if someone is find something that appeals to some part of them and inner innocence and inner struggle and turmoil, whatever it is, you know, power to them. Agreed. Now there were a couple of specific episodes that I wanted to ask uh, your guys' opinion on one uh, was an episode that you mentioned earlier. Aaron was the army episode with with Jack, mm-hmm. and where people kind of seem to line up on the, this episode is on, on one side they say Jack is clearly either ADHD or autistic or a, a mixture of both, and a lot of times the people who say that don't like the glorification of the military that you get in that episode where it's almost like the solution to your problem is to just join the military. While some on the other side line up and say, oh, there's nothing wrong with Jack. He's just needs some structure in his life. And of course, the the military is going to provide that for him. And that's what's borne out in that episode. So I, I was curious what, what your take on that episode was. Tony? I didn't read that far into it. I thought it was just like showing like, this kid thought he was bad at these things, and maybe he was for, like, ADHD reasons. But, like, the... I didn't take it as, like, the army being real. That That's the style of game they were playing. And that was showing him that he could remember things and do all these things that he thought he wasn't good at. I didn't take it... I didn't, like, take the army part of it, like, seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the style of game they're playing. And he's like, I can't remember stuff and count good and stuff. He's like, well, you play army really well, which is like the things he said he couldn't do good. So I didn't dive too deep into it like I did with the uh, fingers and human technology part <laughs> on that one. I, I kind of I agree with Tony that to me growing up, I remember playing with sticks and, and guns, quote unquote, you know, and playing army or soldier or whatever it was that that little boys do whenever they can run around out in the the woods. Again, I, my grandparents had 80 acres out in Louisiana that's got, you know, creeks and woods and stuff that we could go and explore, and there wasn't anything but cows out there, so, you know, we weren't going to get hurt. The creek is beautiful. As long as we stayed away from the cows. <laughs> they, could, they, could, they were 2,000 pounds, and we were not very large at the time, but you know, and so we did that kind of stuff. And so for me, army was no different than boys just playing with their imagination. And army is a, uh, you know, pretty male dominated structure that a lot of boys get exposed to, whether through GI Joe's or from, you know, parents or, you know, TV shows, stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of, I saw it. And, And I thought the army was a good way of showing how providing structure to some kids who struggle with it can help them learn ways of dealing with those issues. And so I don't think it's pro army as much as it is pro structures. I kind of how I agree with Tony. And I think the army is just an easy vehicle to get you to that end. Now, the other episode I want to ask about was the, the most abstract, the most Lynchian, if you will, sleepy time. what do you think of sleepy time? That was the one where Bingo was sleepwalking and the planets and all the different stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was very well done. I thought it was very interesting. Dreams and all that stuff are very, very curious. There was a sequence, the sequence when she's sitting on the planet and it's cold. That's because she has no blanket or whatever. It always reminds me of, of uh, 
that movie John dies at the end where the guy asks about the dreams. Like if you wake up and there's an explosion in your dream, you hear thunder. Like what caused the explosion? Was it your, your dream had the explosion and then the thunder happened or the thunder happened and caused the explosion in your dream and you woke up from it. Like how, how does it, are you dreaming that it's cold or is it cold and it's causing you to dream? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I love those types of, of explorations of, of ideas like that. The dream world in and of itself is a great exploration of, you know, all these different ideas and things that they had. So I, I loved it. I love things like that where you kind of delve into the consciousness and create representations of all the different stuff that are going on in these kids' life through the planets and stars and and stuff like that. It reminded me of Rugrats. Do you remember the episode of Rugrats where, like, Tommy's got a fever and he's, like, dreaming and there's, like, all the different people are showing up as stars and moons and and things oh, like yeah. that. That, yeah, that was trippy. It was very trippy, but kind of same feeling, right? Like that, that mm-hmm. Lynchian, weird, surreal. Things aren't Lynchian. They're just very dreamlike, and Lynch lives in a dreamlike state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll apologize. I think I missed that one on the list, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch that one. Sorry. I did like the one oh, where check Louis dreams about being a fruit bat. So the weed just runs all over them. I like that dream sequence. Yeah, that's another good one. Where she comes downstairs and the like the board game is yeah. ten times size. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that I was, was like, great. what is happening? And then she's like, oh, eating all the fruits. I like it. I don't know. It just was so funny when she would just like land upside down on everything. She went to go visit her dad playing rugby, I guess. But mm. they called it football. They don't. They call rugby football. Or they call it rugby. Well, it's rugby football, and then yeah. there's also Australian football, mm. which is like American football. Yeah, Isn't and then there's soccer team? football, which is soccer. Yeah, I did not know that. A lot of foots, a lot of balls. Uh, one last thing I wanted to, to bring up was the music of this show, because I think something that really sets it apart from a lot of others is that the the music is a hundred percent original. And and each episode, it just fits so, so perfectly well. I was curious if there was any episodes where the music really stood out to you. I can't say that it stood out. I will say that it was very, it fit everything. The intro music has been cut in my head for way too long. Um, <laughs> and now I see memes, bluey memes on the internet with the sounds and, you know, I, I get the joke now. But I can't, I, I do agree that every time that we were watching an episode, there was always... The music fit. There was never a time where I didn't feel like everything was just cohesive. So the show is just very well done from top to bottom. But I, I can't say that there was anything that stuck out specifically. Sure, fair yeah, enough. I guess the thing that sticks out is I didn't ever really notice it. So I think that's a good thing. It's like it fits so well that I wasn't even like aware of it, I guess. It's very intriguing to know because, you know, of, of course, the way that we've consumed this show is, is very different where I've been in the room while these episodes have been on hundreds of times. And so, you know, I'd, every once in a while, something just kind of sticks out to you that you never noticed before. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of incredible how this show has so many layers. Uh, shall we get some ratings in? Yeah, let's do it. I will lead off here. Um, actually, I haven't even had a number in mind for the show because it's so, it's so difficult to quantify because it's just... In terms of hours of my life, uh, this show has so many of them. But I think I'd say that Bluey is an eight show where it's so enjoyable. It's so positive and bright 
and warm and it makes me want to be a better parent it makes me want to be a better person and i i think the world needs bluey at this point so bluey's gonna get eight oh god what's our rating system fluffies fluffies <laughs> eight fluffies for me what about he was baking brownies allegedly i read the episode description and i'm like i hope it's something wholesome because i'm like <laughs> 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 like bandit gets in trouble for blowing a fluffy in bluey's face and i'm like okay this has got to be something i don't know about <laughs> <laughs> and where were you on the morning of this morning <laughs> <laughs> on the morning of this morning <laughs> well tony how many fluffies yeah i was gonna say like i think if you have kids like i think it's a perfect show if you have kids i don't think you can feel bad like you're gonna enjoy watching it with them too if that's what you're doing and i don't think you'll regret like them watching the show so i'll just say like yeah if you're watching with kids or for your kids i think it's a solid eight and i liked it outside of it i don't know if you're coming in cold outside of that environment if it would be as high maybe like a seven uh if you're just like outside of that environment but good show good show I enjoy it. I like that it's short. I like that it has serious moments. I, I really liked every time I did a little uh, age up flash forward, like with the Jean-Luc where they're camping and growing the tree and then kind of flash forward mm-hmm. to him growing up. And then I think there was a, a couple other ones too, where it kind of like does a quick little montage age up. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty nice. It's like, I feel like they care about the story and the characters and it's wholesome. So, Maybe overall, I'll do a seven. But yeah, if you have kids, eight plus fluffies. <laughs> All right, how about you, Aaron? I'm coming in probably around a six. Um, there were a lot of things about the show that I, I actively disliked. Um, I didn't like a lot of the portrayal of things. I didn't like the value system of, of not being able to tell children no. I I personally... I hear people talk about, oh, I just want to be able to engage with the fantasy of my children. I might be one of those people that just don't agree with that. Like, I understand kids need to be kids and have time to play, but I also don't like that there's not an ability to say that there's also a time to not. I I think sociologically as a society, we have to recognize that there's a time to stop things. And I really was annoyed by that not being able to be portrayed in this show. I think that it sets us up for a lot of problems in the future. I'm putting my foot down, Janelle. We're raising a nation of squibs. I think that, you know, seeing the people I have to deal with on a daily basis and the massive problems that we have as it is, I I don't know that just being nice and expecting everyone to recognize the moral of the story is really building us a better future. So uh, for me, like I said, I approached it from a very sociological perspective as not having kids. And I had a lot of problems with it. And I recognized the wholesome aspect. I recognized the the morals and things that, I, that were good. And that's why it gets a six. But honestly, I don't think it should be watched without parents. I don't think it should be just left on. Because I do think that you could just as much get your kid turned into a muffin because it thinks that, they, that that's the proper way to act or that they can get their way because they see they, that... Muffin gets away with a whole lot of shit, gets the toys that she wants, you know, and everyone has to bow to her will because she's a fucking nightmare. So <laughs> I, 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 I come back to 
the show does a good job of portraying families in a lot of ways. And in, in a lot of ways, it also sets up a lot of portrayals that I feel like are absolutely unrealistic or don't provide a real answer to the situation. So for me, it's a six. I don't have kids. I don't have the, the, I guess, bonding elements to evaluate. So I just don't have that. But that's just kind of how I felt towards the end. I felt like there was a little bit more give on some of those things, but there were other aspects that then started to come in that I didn't care for. (laughs) So other things I I did like, I liked that there were some pushback on some stuff, but it felt very weak. Like it felt like the lucky's dad's rules, you know, everyone just all of a sudden liked it, you know, like the the kids Mm. all liked it. Right. Mm. I I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. I just think it's good for them. (laughs) Like, like there was a lot of stuff where I was like, medicine needs to taste bad sometimes, guys. And this show misses that point, I feel. It, there's too many pretty pink bows in this show to make me feel like it's something that's setting up anything other than a lot of disappointment for the future. I, I play card games where there's a loser, you know, and you have to learn from your losses. And I think that there are people that get real salty because they don't know how to lose. They don't know how to feel bad. They don't know how to deal with adverse outcomes. And if you are constantly eliminating those from people's experiences, they're going to be 10 times worse in the future. Sometimes you have to go through little things so that you can experience heavier shit later. Mm-hmm. There is no dad that's buying three movie theater popcorns. None for their bingo that's running around the theater. <laughs> I was offended by that episode. I'm not gonna lie. I was offended by that episode. Like that's the one I, time I was like, I love bingo so much, but that episode, I'm like, bingo, you're breaking no, my heart. That that is. I, I used to work in a movie theater, and I I thought it was rude when people would bring their kids to the movie theater, and like they'd be screaming and they'd be standing in the little hallway, like next to. It's like just take your kid out. Like I'm sorry, you. There's now that, that we have streaming, it solves that. Yeah. That's the price you pay for having kids. You just don't get to go to the movie theater while they're that age, or get a have a parent or a, a you know grandparent watch them. But I'm sorry, it's just the cost of of rearing children. You don't get to go to the movie theater for a while. Don't let him near the kid. He wants to rear your child. <laughs> well, you can go, but you do have to take your kid out and miss part of the movie. Like that's the risk you take by taking him. That you'll have to miss part of. It. Everyone's always, their baby's always so ill-behaved, except for this time. <laughs> Hot show opinions. I, I, I'm, I don't, I think that people who have kids is great. I think that they should be able to watch movies and stuff like that. I just think that you need to recognize, again, I, movie theaters used to have like times for parents. Like I remember like on like a Tuesday at like three in the afternoon or something, they would have like special times because like they knew that the people who came at seven weren't going to be there. <laughs> Yeah, they, they still do that. Like Alamo does that. And yeah, no, I, I for the most part agree because my kid's almost three and a half. And you think I've taken him to a movie theater yet? Hell no. No. No way. Hmm. I don't know how it's enjoyable for you. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I don't get this. Like, you know what? I, I don't want to sit at home and, and, you know, carry my child around and watch TV and miss half of the show. I want to do that at the movie theater. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get that either. Well, the rating is going to be easy to calculate. That's true. Yeah. Six, uh, seven, eight. Seven, 
Six, seven, eight. So I got a seven, uh, which puts it, if I pull up our show show master ranking, uh, it is evenly matched with Avenue 5, Chef, and Fooly Cooly, and Watchmen, and the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. We've got a real good, like, score, just like streak right there in that, that spot. <laughs> I really like the Watchmen. I did have Especially that, that first episode. <laughs> I feel like the music in that first episode was killer. Me and Christy like, talked oh. about Watchmen like a week ago, so <laughs> all about those feelings are right there at the surface for me. <laughs> well, shall we pick our next show to watch? Absolutely. Let's, do it. Let's see here. So for this portion of the program, for anybody who's new to the show, uh, we each nominate a show we provide those to the wheel of randomonium mm-hmm. and we allow that sacred choice to be made for us by oh great wheel mm-hmm. uh, and i think jay has pointed out that like he's won like five of the last six times so he's like <laughs> really on a streak right now <laughs> Yes, and importantly, if your show gets selected twice in a row, then you sit out selection next time. Mm-hmm. So I'm on a one-month streak, so if I'm selected this time, I'll sit out. So now, I, me and Tony have both chose the same one, so before we do that, we'll let you, Jay, describe what your show is. Okay, uh, I have offered a Peacock original show called Mrs. Davis. It comes from one of the favorite creators of the show, show Mr. Damon Lindelof. Uh, it's a show I haven't seen oh, really? a, a minute of it yet. It's got a couple more episodes to wrap up this month. Uh, but I think the general plot is that it's about a nun who's battling against an evil AI. And it looks like a ton of fun. Dude, I... Yeah, leading with Lindelof. Hey, I'm in. <laughs> no downside here for Tony. <laughs> no downside. So, so we also have The Last of Us, which, again, Tony, if you want to change your, your choice to Miss Davis, I'm not going to stop you here. No, I'm sorry with Last of Us. Tony, you tell us tell us about The Last of Us, because I, I, I don't know much about it. Well, it is. I hear it's great, which is a video game adaptation, which apparently there's not been any good ones. So apparently this is the exception, but that's what um, it's a future. It's a zombie apocalypse. Um, instead of a virus, I think it's a fungal infection that is uh, turning humans into zombies. And like the game, I assume it follows the same story as basically like a journey of this older man. I think Pedro Pascal, Joel and this young girl, he's got to get her basically across the country in this dystopian future uh to i mean i don't know how spoiler it is like to, to save, save the to world. save the human race basically yeah yeah mm-hmm. like i don't know if it's a, i don't think it's too big of a spoiler to say she's immune yeah and I, so I they want to use knows. her biology to create a cure uh and then so it's just like oh it's the journey of getting her across the country i think they're in like boston and they have to get her to the pacific northwest i think if I remember the game correctly. They always have to get to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> like, shouldn't they be going to Georgia? Isn't the CDC in Atlanta? Yeah, you think the CDC's going to be the first ones to fall. They're going to bring samples back, man. Isn't that a big thing in The Walking Dead, though? I yeah. Don't know. I, didn't I watch think the they're Walking trying to Dead. get stuff to Atlanta in The Walking Dead. Or they're in Georgia already. Are they already in Georgia? In the 
Walking Dead? I stopped watching that so early, it just got ridiculous. Yeah, I got through like two, three episodes and stopped, so... Anyway, I think it's it's more than just like Walking Dead killing zombies, it's more of like the bond between... Or the developing bond between Joel... Yeah, it's like Joel and this girl, Ellie, like developing a bond for going from like, obviously, strangers and not liking each other to developing like... People have raved about it, so I've also put my lot in with Last of Us. Shuffle it up, and then here we go. Spin to win. You're a bush wee, and I'm a whatever they call a number two. <laughs> Let's spin the McConaughey wheel. Alright, that's me, Last of that's Us. The Last of Us. What were the odds? Two thirds. <laughs> Woo, I've been excited. I've been wanting to see it. I just, uh, I need that spur. I did watch the pilot, or the premiere, so mm-hmm. I'm one episode in. I've I, yeah, I've literally seen nothing, so I'm excited to go in. Yeah, I think I've seen two, and then my my lady wife tapped out, and you know sometimes uh, it's kind of like launching a nuclear missile from the submarine. You, you both have to turn your key on the show. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I've got me and Christy watch a lot of shows together, but there's a couple of shows that I'm just like not my bag. All you yeah. girl, you get after it. You're caught between. She probably doesn't really want to watch it, but if you were to watch it without her and get ahead of her, it'd be not good. The funny thing is, like, whenever I start a show she doesn't like, and then two, three episodes in, I'm like, this is really good. She's like, well, now I want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to go back. <laughs> All right. Marty! We got to go back! We got to go back! <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to a lot more Doc Brown impressions next week, talking about The Last of Us. I want to thank our executive producer, Dick Wolf. I want to thank my co-hosts. Thank you, Aaron. You're welcome. And thank you, Tony. Thank you. I'll be seeing you guys next time for The Last of Us. And until then, I will see you in the trees. Don't think you have seen The Last of Us.